This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the world's only brand identity theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. How are you doing? We've been talking about on the show marketing and we're trying to relate marketing issues in terms of the new world order for the post-COVID world. Brands are doing all kinds of things, right, Barbara, in terms of like changing how they are responding to market dynamics, social dynamics, uh, all kinds of interesting kind of uh, important uh, events that are going on right now. So we're trying to learn as much as we can and bring this knowledge directly to the people, right, Barbara? Right, and that's my perfect lead-in, right, to introduce our guest, who's Jessica Wall, a reporter at Ad Age, and she has been recently writing a bunch, she writes a lot of articles, she's been doing this for a while, um, Jessica Wall at Ad Age, just to repeat her name, but she's been writing a bunch of recent articles about this change um, of these brands, these CPG firms that have been dropping their racist branding. Hello, Jessica, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us some of the, since you're a reporter, report. <laughs> tell us what's been going on in these uh, branding campaigns. So I mainly cover the food industry, food and restaurants. And uh, the past few weeks have been busy on this beat with Aunt Jemima sort of started the, the trend, if you will, of saying that they were going to get rid of the Aunt Jemima name and image. Obviously, it's one that has racial stereotypes. It's been around for 131 years. Um, the brand has been owned by PepsiCo since 2001, and they've now decided that now is the time that the packaging and the name seem inappropriate. So they are finally going to change those. Uh, that started sort of a groundswell of brand changes in the packaged food industry. Really, really quickly, we saw a lot of other brands say that they were going to consider changing their brand names or saying that they were going to change brand names that, quite honestly, some consumers have been pushing for for decades. So you're seeing things like the man on the box of cream of wheat. You're seeing things like uh, the bottle of Mrs. Butterworth syrup that will start to evolve to catch up to what are now seen as the right types of images and portrayals to have of Black people and other people of color on packaging. Uh, one of the most recent ones was Eskimo Pie said that it would drop its name. Yes, I Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, it's interesting, though, also, Jessica, because, you know, to pull it back a little bit to previous history, Land Lakes was another one that jumped into the fray. This was earlier, I believe, uh, when they announced yeah. that they would uh, get rid of the uh, Native American imagery. Or I think there's like a picture of a, of a, of a Native American uh, woman as part of the. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So it, it is kind of this interesting thing. But what? why are they doing this suddenly? I mean, it's not like. You know, it, 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 there's always been like naysayers who have said, you know, this is offensive. This is politically incorrect. This is whatever the sure. negative. So so why why now? Is it just because are we at a sort of a flashpoint in history? What's going on? Well, Americus, I think you're totally right. And I think what's interesting about the Land of Lakes move is that when it was first announced in February, they didn't actually say they didn't make a bold statement saying, hey, we're taking the Native American woman off this packaging. What they came out and said was, 
as part of a 100th anniversary celebration of our brand, which is going to happen next year, we're going to start uh, showing our farmers on the packaging. Well, if you put two and two together, you figure out what's getting taken off the packaging in order to put those farmers on the packaging. But the brand really walked a line and didn't come out and say, we've probably been racist for a really long time and we're just catching up to it. Uh, not to put any words in their mouth, but that's what a lot of people interpreted it as. And the timing was interesting because as people started baking more, as people were home because of the coronavirus and they went and bought butter, they realized that that woman was no longer on the packaging. And that's when people really started to notice the Land O'Lakes change. Uh, people were home, people were buying more packaged food, and they were taking a look at what they were buying. A lot of the brands that are doing well right now are brands that people may not have had in their, in their kitchens for a long time. And so they're paying, and you're paying more attention to it, right? I mean, you're home, you're cooking more. Now you're starting to be able to go out to restaurants. But if you're in the grocery store and you're looking at packaging, you're noticing it more. Uh, social media campaigns and things like change.org petitions have gotten a lot of uh, attention in the past few years. So brands are under more pressure now to respond to the public because the public is talking to the brands more directly. Interesting. Was that uh, a, was that a out. was that a mistake, Jessica, to be so under the radar to sort of do it almost almost in this like implicit way, like we're going to start emphasizing the farmers and, and not really coming out and making any kind of strong statement about you know the the fact that perhaps the Native American community uh, did not like this the the imagery that was going to be changed. Was that a mistake or 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 was that actually a win for those guys? No, oh, I think it will be interesting to see how they actually go about this 100-year anniversary that's happening in 2021. Um, like I said, when they made the announcement in February, they did not specifically call attention to what was getting taken off of the packaging. Um, people who have followed the brand for a while applauded the move. They said that it was about time. But I don't think that the brand has come out and said anything that public and that verbal about, we knew it was time to remove uh, remove her from the package. So was it the right move? I think people would say it's the right move to update the package, but is is it the right move to try to do it quietly in this day and age? Probably not because you're really just drawing more attention to yourself because people are going to interpret the move for you. For some of these brands, it's a bigger change than for other brands. Like I, one of them, is it Aunt Jemima that's retiring the entire brand name? And some of them are just changing the imagery, right? I mean. Yeah, so some of them have just even come out and said, we're gonna, we're taking this under advisement is basically what they said. Um, likely a lot of them were thinking about this, uh, didn't have a plan in place. And then Aunt Jemima came out in the middle of June and made their statement and so you know, people had to reach out to other brands as well. People like myself would reach out to other brands as well and say, hey, are you changing this package? Hey, are you thinking about changing this name? And they probably don't have a full plan in place. Uh, Aunt Jemima has not come out yet and said what its brand is going to be. It just has said that it won't be Aunt Jemima. But so, what's, what's interesting about that, though, Jessica, is that over time, if you look at, if you look at Aunt, the Aunt Jemima imagery, you'll yes. notice that they have been slowly kind of like modernizing her mm -hmm. uh, in a way that moves a little bit slowly, slowly away, perhaps from those older traditional stereotypical images around you know, the bandana and her being more of like this, you know, perhaps this character in a, on a plantation kind of uh, 
kind of a thing. Right. So, and, and but but uh, lots of brands have been doing that. Betty Crocker has been slowly, you know, modernizing. So I mean, what's what I mean, what's going on? Why is it like suddenly like now it's like this cascade of like sudden social awareness that's saying well, like it's time to get rid of you know Eskimo pies or Chiquita banana or Land of Lakes imagery or what what's going on here? Is like is it is it just like so much social proof now that's out there it just cannot be denied or what? I think you want your brand to appeal to the largest possible potential shopper group. And if you have something that's deemed offensive, people are not going to buy it. So especially now when you have people who are younger getting into more, you know, baking, cooking more at home, spending more time at home, really studying these brands. The other thing to consider is a lot of people for the first time have started shopping online for groceries people are seeing your package really up close. They're not just walking, you know, scanning through the aisles, picking up, picking up something, shoving it in their, in their uh, shopping cart and moving on to the next aisle. They're clicking on brands on their phone. You want an image that someone is going to stop and look at and want to hit add to cart. Uh, and if you have something that looks offensive, that's not going to happen. So I think that that could be part of it. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is the demographics, especially in the United States, are changing. The number of people in the United States who look like the people on the package, right? I mean, you don't want to, you don't want your people to feel that you have something inappropriate. Um, and I think with everything that's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's happened in the wake of George Floyd and, and everything else that's been going on the past few years, there's a groundswell. And brands can't ignore that like they used to be able to. Aunt Jemima has changed over the years. Like you said, she has pearl earrings. She looks a little bit more maybe upscale than she used to with the bandana and things like that. I mean, the look has definitely evolved, but there's still underlying connotations that people think of when they think of that brand. You know, I have the opposite question. What were they thinking in the first place? Like, who would this imagery appeal to? I don't even understand it from the beginning. Do you, I, I mean, I'm not asking you to be apologetic for the brand, but do you happen to know why they thought that this would sell more syrup or rice or whatever? Well, the late 1800s, as I was not around to, to give you the, the full truth of this, but you know, it was a different time for brands. I mean, I think that many more people had people in their homes who may have been doing cooking for them, um, which is one thing that brands probably had in their mind back then. Um, you know, there are different ways that these brands evolved with Aunt Jemima. She was portrayed by a woman at the Chicago World's Fair. That was back in 1933. Mm. Um, you know, things changed a lot since then. And you wanted people to have a connection to the brand. So maybe you kept the image or you kept the name because they had this, you know, heartwarming feeling about it. Maybe when they were kids or something like that. Same thing with Uncle Ben, right? That's a brand that goes back decades. So it's it's hard to say. I am interested, though, what these brands were thinking when they've acquired them. A lot of these brands have been brought into these conglomerates through acquisitions that none of them really thought about changing them until this, this latest groundswell. I was just going to say, presumably, if someone bought and acquired a brand, they brought it for the historic brand equity and the idea right. of paying for it and then changing it seems kind of counterintuitive, I guess. But it is shocking to me that they would think 
this imagery would ever sell. But I guess it was a different time and I wasn't there either. So what do I know? <laughs> no, I, no, I, I mean, some of the things, yeah, Americus, I don't know what, if you've looked back at some of the things like the Uncle Ben's imagery from, you know, the early 1900s and some of the pictures that they had with in these ads, I'm really, you know, quite shocked by them in 2020. Right. I agree. I think it's it's very interesting, you know, because of it, it's like anything else. It's when things are, you know, it's kind of like um, what, what was America's hair like in, you know, 1985? Well, I had a, whatever was cool then or what whatever I saw around me, you know, it might have been like the big S curl or the Jerry curl or whatever, because that's just what people were doing or the long hair or the skinny little tie from the from the 90s you know what you just you're you're a you're a cultural chameleon you you soak up whatever's around you and one could imagine you know in these contexts where that kind of imagery was just you know that was the norm then perhaps it's like okay you build on that and as and just time goes on as the brand's going on but i want to push further on this because i want to build on what barbara's saying i want to ask barbara and you jessica about this because i always find trying to take the counter perspective uh, to be an interesting thought exercise. And while I will say I'm no fan of the current administration, one of the things that is an interesting point that has been made is this point of, okay, if you start taking down things, taking down statues, taking down this, changing stuff, the question that gets asked is like, where does the line get drawn? So I want to get you guys' thoughts on this as a brand. At what point, so at what is the decision criteria where you say, you know what, it's, it's time to change because I looked at data point X and what is that data point X? Is it a percentage of consumers who are unhappy with what you're doing? And if that's the question, what's the percentage? Does it just need to be one person to say, hey, this offends me? And then you say, okay, well, I got to go and change everything or like, where, where do you, how do you, how do you even come up with a decision calculus that, that, that allows you to say what, what, what you should be doing and what you should not be doing? What are your thoughts on that, Barbara? Well, I have thoughts on it. Let me let Jessica talk because I, I have a whole speech prepared on this. Oh, sure. So make me go first when I have a whole speech prepared. <laughs> Lovely. Um, well, one thing, <laughs> one thing I would say is, Hopefully, the makeup of people within these organizations has changed, and um, a lot of companies are coming under pressure right now to have more diverse ranks, particularly in marketing. So if you have a more diverse group at the table that's reviewing these brands and reviewing these brand strategies and reviewing their campaigns and coming up with all of them, then you are going to want to have something that feels right to a wider variety of shoppers. Um, at the end of the day, all of this is done to sell more product. And now is the time when packaged food in particular, and we could talk about all the things that are being done with personal care products and, and different kinds of products that are now all coming out as, as brands that people feel need to evolve. But you want something out there that is going to be appealing to the largest possible shopping group. Um, I think now companies are taking a closer look, whether it's at their board of directors, their C-suite, the people that they're bringing in for internships, all kinds of levels of organizations are changing. And perhaps that's part of the reason you're starting to see this change now, because there are more people speaking up at the table. And if so, more power to them. It's taken a long time for that to happen, but it, maybe that's why it's starting to happen. But I'm very curious to hear what Barbara has to say. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. I, I agree with that perspective. It isn't what I was going to say, so it's interesting. But I, I mean, I agree. There's now calls, just, just to make your point again, because I think it's a very important 
point, and I don't want to lose it, that um, it's changing who's working in these companies. And until they start getting a diverse set of people inside the companies, they're going to have all white male you know, opinions. Uh, and it's time to have more diversity every step of the way. So I completely agree with that. And as you mentioned earlier, that earlier, that reflects the population and you're much better to market to a diverse population if you have a diverse group of people making the decisions. What I was going to say is I would believe that the better brands, I mean, a lot of brands started in 1800 and that's why they're strong, like Ivory Soap or, or some other brand, Mr. Clean, you know, there are tons of these brands that started. I think the better brands have evolved slowly over time and modernized and reflected the environment they're from because they've been much more customer focused and looking at market data. A firm that's very product focused and just like looks at it from their point of view may miss that the imagery has been out of date for 50 years. In my mind, imagery that's been out of date for 50 years is not a good brand because they're not reflecting what's going on in their marketplace and they're very product focused and not consumer focused. So I actually think that you know, responding to a discrete event, which seems to be what some of them are doing now, and particularly the role, you know, the the landslide that Aunt Jemima mentioned, and all these others came after that. That was not reflecting customer value. That's reflecting we better do it or no one's going to buy us anymore. That's not you know trying to provide customer value to me. So it's better that they're doing it now. But I think it says you should have been looking at your branding all this time and seeing whether or not you were providing value. I think that they were relying on repeat purchase, mindless buying, you know, so people just buy the same thing and they didn't want the package to look different. So they weren't questioning, but it's obviously, and you would see, by the way, up until very recently, we talked about this on our last half hour, up until very recently, all these legacy brands had been seeing significant. And Jessica, you probably know this also, a lot of the legacy brands up until recently in the food business had seen the declines in market share as these new brands that are better attuned to what customers really want steal the share from them. So it's kind of a lesson. Do you agree with that? I do. I think that a lot of these brands have been under pressure for years. And so nothing brings attention to a brand. I mean, all publicity is good publicity, maybe. Um, I can't remember the last time that I wrote a story about cream of wheat, about Uncle Ben's really, about Aunt Jemima, about Mrs. Butterworth's. Mrs. Butterworth's, I will say I wrote about uh, a couple of years ago because they had her in a campaign with Colonel Sanders from KFC. <laughs> which um, you can go and look for it, but she dances. She does like the Ooh. I've had the time of my life dance oh. from Jersey Dancing with Colonel Sanders. Oh. Because um, they had a chicken and waffles uh, special oh, I going see. on. Interesting, interesting. But, but really, these are, to Barbara's point, these are brands that have not really gotten a lot of attention from shoppers or maybe even from their organizations in some time. They have campaigns now and then, but these are not big, huge, blockbuster, Super Bowl ad types of, of brands. These are the brands that people may have been passing over for trendier food products, whether it was a different rice that cooks in a microwave bag or a cereal that was gluten-free or something like that, right? There are all these different categories of food where uh, shoppers have been spending their dollars in the past few years. Interesting. Let me though, I want to, I want to build on this though, because I, I do want to, I, I want to play devil's advocate and I want to get your thoughts on this, Barbara. It's what, listen, everything is so politically correct. It's impossible to not offend people. 
So is there a is there a, a challenge, Barbara, that brands at some point are going to be so f- afraid to do anything that's going to anger some subset or some segment of the consumers that what ends up coming out is just not very interesting. It's very vanilla. It's very bland. It's very safe. It's a, it's no no edgy brand. You can't do cool stuff anymore because you just got to always be worried about someone's going to get upset and put you on blast on Twitter or yell at you in the social media and get upset and start a campaign to get you canceled. What do you? I mean, how do you how do you manage that as a brand manager? What are your thoughts on that? And you know that I don't, uh, of course, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't, okay. agree any brand, I don't agree any brand is the right brand for everyone. I mean, maybe some brands are, maybe Apple is, who knows? Um, probably not even Apple, but most brands are going after a particular customer segment. And I do think being the right thing for that customer segment um, is the right way to go. When you're, so the, I, you know, like what Nike does can be very polarizing. We've talked many times about what Chick filet does can be polarizing and that might be good marketing because they're going after honest authentic values and they're going after a core segment and they don't have to please everybody all the time what i think is different here is i can't believe this racial imagery frankly was attractive to anyone i just even people who have very strong feelings about some of these issues and they i just don't think this was attractive to anyone it was so out of date and and i think that's so that I would, I would say it was bad marketing and should have been changed a long time ago. Um, but because I think they weren't paying attention to what's modern, something that looks out of date, you know, maybe it looks retro, maybe it looks authentic, but frequently it just looks tired and old. Um, and even things that are supposed to hold to true authentic value, like, you know, like Chanel, I think the Chanel label is the local probably for Chanel, which is very simple, beautiful you know, it's a beautiful logo in some sense. It's been the same for 300 years, but the fashion hasn't been, you know, and they, they, the imagery I'm sure hasn't been. If you don't, you know, why would a package of syrup stay the same for all this time? It doesn't make sense to me, but I don't think it doesn't mean you can't be edgy and cool. Well, and I do think that a lot of these brands maybe were not getting the attention that they used to get years ago. When they launched, they were the product. I mean, when Aunt Jemima launched, there wasn't another ready mix for pancakes. When Uncle Ben's launched, it was the first uh, consumer brand for a raw material. It was the first raw product that got a brand name. So they named it after a farmer and the farmer's name was Uncle Ben. And they found a black man to pose for the picture because they didn't put a picture of Uncle Ben on the box. They found somebody else. And it just stuck because it was the only one out there. So to Barbara's point, a lot of these brands have been around for decades and there's some recognition built in there that maybe you, you're afraid to touch. Uh, you don't want to mess with that because even if it's not the sexiest category, when people go into the store, they know what that orange box is and they just grab it off the shelf for Uncle Ben's or they know what you know the, the Aunt Jemima syrup looks like and so they take it or the Mrs. Butterworth syrup. I mean, it's a bottle shaped like a woman, right? What other product is out there that's shaped like a person? <laughs> right, right. But you know, to a point that you brought up in the last half hour, Americus, there's another perspective to take on this. What's the right thing to do? You know, and was this the right imagery to be putting on your package, regardless of whether it was an authentic brand or it offended or didn't offend people? Is there, and Jessica, have you written about that at all? Like the, the situation of brands and what roles they should play in society? Is that in your food beat or something you think about? It's something I keep an eye on. It's something that I'm working on. So we'll we'll see what comes of it. Um, definitely doing some reporting as to 
how far should brands go and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think it was America's who said earlier, right? Like a brand needs to stand for something. If you try to try to fit your brand to fit for everybody, you're not going to stand out to anybody. Uh, so brands do need to take a stand and there are brands that take stands and people say they're going to boycott and that happens, you know, every few weeks or every three, few months, <laughs> depending on what the trends are. Yes. Um, you know, but you see a company like Unilever, a brand like Ben and Jerry's, I mean, Ben and Jerry's has a very strong position about racial equity and racial justice and it's ice cream. Why does an ice cream brand need to ha take a stand like that? And people will say, well, I'll just go buy another ice cream if that's something that they don't agree with. But the people who do agree with it are really happy that Ben and Jerry's is taking a stand. That's right. Or a company like Seventh Generation, which is also now owned by Unilever, a brand like Seventh Generation, which it's a pretty clear product message. It's different than another cleaning product on the market. And there are people who will seek that out because it aligns with their values. Yeah, it's kind of, an, I mean, with every, uh, the one good news, I, I guess you're seeing this in this COVID world is some of the winners are these consumer packaged goods products. They've been, you know, everybody else is suffering, but people are buying a lot of consumer packaged goods in the grocery store. So it, that's been good times for them. Anyway, thank you, Jessica, so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners go, listeners go to keep up with you and your work? The best place to go would be our website, adage.com, uh, and they can follow me on Twitter at Jessica Wall. That's Jessica W-O-H-L. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.